0: It's been a while since I've sang that in church. I remembered the words. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I remember uh, when my girls were little, we'd be driving up and high, down the highway. We lived thirty miles from church, and they'd be going through this list of songs, and one of them would want to sing this I know. That's what they called it. Was the I know. <laughs> Okay, part two of your sermon series, Romans chapter number one. Um, Again, this is going to be a very different message for you this morning because it's different than the one that I usually prepare. Uh, It's more a message of declaration than it is anything else today. Uh, The story behind all of that is I was sitting at my computer one week ago this past Friday and my devotion for that particular day was in Romans chapter number 1. And I came to verses 16 and 17 and I read those words and it got me to thinking about a declaration that I taped inside of the flyleaf of my Bible on September 29, 2011. Um, it's entitled, I'm Part of the Fellowship of the Unashamed, and I'll talk more about that later. But I, I looked once again and read the words of this declaration inside the flyleaf of my Bible. I put that in there. I was serving as pastor at Central Assembly of God in spring in. in Independence, Missouri, and I I just, as I often do when I read a devotion, I allow my mind to just allow the Spirit of God to to speak what He wants to say to me, okay? Um, And that very powerful declaration taped inside my Bible caused me, I guess, to think of a number of truths that I can no longer keep to myself. I've been pondering the, the possible repercussions of some of the things that I might share with you this morning. I've also weighed the benefits of keeping it to myself against the cost of letting the cat out of the bag, so to speak. And so I'm not real sure how you'll take this message this morning, but I, I've got to tell you, because I can no longer keep this to myself, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's read it together in Romans chapter number 1, beginning with verse number 16. The Apostle Paul echoes what I just shared with you. He declares this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it... God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. There are a lot of things this morning that I'm going to share with you that I'm ashamed of. But being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not one of them. I'm ashamed of some of the things that I've done in my life. I'm ashamed of some of the things that I've failed to do in my life. I'm ashamed of seeing people who are hurting and I pass by them, pretending not to see them. I'm ashamed of not taking sufficient time to celebrate with those whose joy is overflowing around me during the course of my life. I'm ashamed of failing to help many of the loss that I've encountered along the way, helping them to find the way. I am ashamed of days that I've wasted. I am ashamed of grace that I've tested. I am ashamed that I have failed to give God my very best in every way, in everything. There are a lot of things I'm ashamed of. But being ashamed of the good news of Jesus is not one of them. I'm ashamed of many failures as a pastor, a minister of the gospel. I'm ashamed of the failure of many who share that calling that I have upon my life, fellow pastors and ministers. I'm ashamed of how many of us preachers go from church to church trying to make a name for ourselves by building the largest, most relevant church in the city when the one who called us to ministry is the one whose church we're supposed to be building. I'm ashamed of the way we pastors find our personal validation by measuring the the size of the building we minister in and the size of the congregation we have at our Sunday morning worship services. I'm ashamed at how we determine our value by the size of a paycheck rather than the substance of the call of God upon our life. I'm ashamed at how we determine our effectiveness by the applause of men rather than by the approval of God. I'm ashamed of how we fear those who sit on church boards but we become occasionally bored by the one who sits on the throne. I'm ashamed at how we glory in the crowd rather than in the glory of the cross. I'm ashamed at how many in my calling turn our backs on poor, on the poor and outcasts because they can't boost our budgets and instead We seek to boost our credibility with those who can. I'm ashamed of how we sometimes strive to tickle the ears of men rather than speaking the harsh truth about sin. I'm ashamed at how we often spin God's Word in order to make people feel good about themselves rather than preaching and telling sinners how good our God is. There are a lot of things that I'm ashamed of, but I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a lengthy list, as you might have already guessed. I am ashamed of my many failures as a father. The way others of us who have been called to be fathers just like myself are failing it makes me ashamed. I'm ashamed at how patient I can be with, some t- uh, with those so, who I don't even know, and yet I lose my patience with those who need it most. I'm ashamed of how we willingly, as dads, give time to our job, to our hobbies, in my case, to my calling, and yet we tell our kids, not now, I'm too busy. I am ashamed of the high standards that we once used to hold up for our kids, all the while lowering the bar of morality and holiness in our own lives. As a father, I'm ashamed of how we tell our children how important it is for them to worship God. And yet, we ourselves regularly miss opportunities to worship just so that we can give time to those things that we have placed on an equal priority with the things of God. I'm ashamed of how many of us dads talk a good talk, but our walk has a noticeable limp. I'm ashamed of some of my failures as a dad today, but I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm also ashamed of my failures as a husband to my wife, the ways in which far too many of us who are husbands like myself are called to bless our wives, and yet we are failing in that pursuit. I'm ashamed of how we pledged ourselves for better or worse, but now many of us who call ourselves husbands, we seem to want to renegotiate the contract. I'm ashamed of the many times that that I've acknowledged and flashed a smile at those who walk through my church doors on a Sunday morning all the while failing to acknowledge the need of my wife to just wink at her or pat her on the back or squeeze her hand knowing that she's dealing with the daily pressures of being a pastor's wife. I'm ashamed at how easily I've sometimes raised my voice or completely shut myself down or stomped off when she needs me to understand her through thick and thin. All of these things I'm ashamed of. I'm ashamed of how I'm willing to move mountains for others, but all too often unwilling to put forth the extra effort when it's needed in my home. And as a man. I'm ashamed of black-eyed, black-eyes, bruised bodies, broken bones and battered hearts that many like myself have husbands like myself have inflicted on the greatest gift that God has given us to in this life. I'm ashamed of a lot of my failings as a f- husband, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm also ashamed, sometimes, of the church as it is today. Not this church necessarily, but the corporate church. I'm ashamed of our willingness to go into exorbitant debt to build buildings, all the while neglecting hearts and souls. I'm ashamed to see churches cling to their traditions more tightly than they cling to Almighty God. I'm ashamed of the way we've idolized some of our messengers and the messages that come from their pulpits rather than idolizing our Messiah. I'm ashamed when our church budget gets more of our time and our attention than does the blood of Jesus Christ and its effectiveness at forgiving sinners. I'm ashamed of the way we place more attention on our church being sanitized rather than our church being sanctified. I'm ashamed of the way a church bows to those who wield power in its midst instead of bowing before the throne of God where he sits. I'm ashamed of the way we become incensed over broken things in the church rather than broken hearts. I myself am ashamed of the way that We are more concerned with entertaining our constituents, our children, and our visitors with things that look more like the world rather than inspiring them with the message of salvation, the power of the cross, the hope of glory. I'm ashamed of the way some churches pledge their allegiance to a denomination rather than pledging their hearts to the kingdom of God. I'm ashamed when we celebrate our history with more vigor than we celebrate our destiny. I'm ashamed of the way we've chosen to represent our walk with Jesus by appearing to be religious, being content to appear to be spiritual, rather than walking in the newness of life and the joy of a relationship with Jesus Christ. There are things about the church that I'm ashamed of, but I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are also things that I find myself ashamed of from time to time regarding my country, the United States of America. I'm ashamed of the fact that our nation was built upon the declaration of, in God we trust, And yet now we are proposing legislation to remove his name from our coins, our pledge of allegiance, our swearing in of elected officials, all the while being okay to use his name as a swear word in the public square. I'm ashamed of the way we now celebrate the immoral and show disdain and irreverence for the sacred. I'm ashamed that we clamor for open-mindedness unless it has to do with the teachings of Jesus or with the people who belong to him. Open-mindedness is no longer a concern. I'm ashamed that we say everyone in our nation is entitled to the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And yet we've prevented nearly 70 million innocent lives from ever pursuing any of those ideals. I'm ashamed that we now find it unacceptable to have differences of opinion and label anyone who still adheres to biblical standards as being bigoted and intolerant. I'm ashamed that our institutions of higher education are willing to give our condom, our kids condoms, but are willing to do their very best to keep them away from the message of Jesus. I'm ashamed that we have had more than 40% of our children now being born out of wedlock. 50% of our marriages ending in divorce. 110 million of our citizens in this country walking around every day with some type of sexually transmitted disease. I'm ashamed of our country. I'm ashamed that we search for answers to our problems here in America with the wisdom of man rather than seeking the heart of God. Yes, there are a lot of things that I'm ashamed of even with this great nation. But I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, out of all of those things that I'm ashamed of, it gets better. Because I've come to the conclusion that since we are fallible, sin-scarred people, we are going to experience shame from time to time. There are things that we have done in our past that we don't want anyone to find out about. Because we're afraid that if the truth got out, we'd be covered with shame, and rightfully so. There are things that others have done to us or said about us that have caused us great shame. And there have even been times when we've been falsely accused of things we've not even done, but still we feel the shame shower itself upon us. We only have to back up to some of the school shootings that have taken place in our country over the past years and hear some of those. Grieving parents crying in front of the TV cameras asking people to believe that their son is not the horrible person that he's being painted out to be as a result of having shot innocent children. Shame is real, friends. We hear people today use this phrase, is there no shame? Shame. As If shame is obsolete, it's not. Some have been led to believe that shame is this archaic, outdated state of being that only applies to politicians, to priests, and to preachers who have committed shameful deeds and then acted on the outside as if nothing has happened. I'll tell you this morning that appearances aren't always the reality Though a person may be smiling and shrugging it off on the outside, on the inside there's a very different reality that is quite likely draining their life and that reality is called shame. So why when we work so hard to dismiss and discard this thing called shame, does it still seem to be tracking us? Well, I'll tell you why. Shame is... Like a relentless hunter refusing to give up their, his hunt because he's been sent out from the throne room of God Almighty, the shame has. And shame's desire, when it's sent by God, is to bring those who experience it to their knees. You see, there's a way of dealing with shame. There are 128 references in the Word of God in which the word shame is used. Let me just share a couple of the better ones, in my opinion, with you. Proverbs 3.35, the wise will inherit honor, but he, speaking of God, holds up fools to shame. Jeremiah 3 verse number 25, let us lie down in our shame, let our disgrace cover us. We have sinned against the Lord our God, both we and our fathers from the time of our youth, even to this day, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. Jeremiah 8, 9, the wise will be put to shame. They will be dismayed and trapped since they've rejected the word of the Lord. What kind of wisdom do they have? So again, the question. What do we do with this thing that relentlessly pursues us called shame? Well, here's what we do. We turn our faces toward heaven. We realize that we have absolutely nothing to offer, nothing to be proud of in and of ourselves, and we place our entire confidence in God Almighty. I came to a conclusion years ago in my own life that the place, the remedy, if you will, to my shame is found at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because there, Jesus takes my shame away. He clothes me in his righteousness. He forgives me of my sin. And he gives me new life. And in the midst of shame, my friends, that is good news. All of my best efforts have never proven to be lasting because they've been tainted by my sin. But at the foot of the cross, the one hanging on that tree, his efforts are sinless. They're perfect, they're pure, they're holy. And yes, shame will pursue us to the point of exhaustion. But when we finally run out of our own strength, our own energy, we find ourselves confronted with two options and two options alone. One, we will either create a fictitious existence trying to hide or explain away our sins, or two, we will bear our soul before the one who already knows our ways accept his forgiving grace, and find our shame taken away. Which option would you prefer? You see, if God says that we will be put to shame if we continue to trust in ourselves, our abilities, our confidence, our strength, then what are we to do? Again, the answer is very simple. We are to trust in Jesus Look what the Apostle Paul has to say in Romans chapter number 10, beginning with verse 8. He says the message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation the scripture says everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame again the apostle peter in 1 peter chapter 2 verse number 6 says, For it is contained in Scripture. Look, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. The psalmist in Psalm 119, verses 80 and 81 says, May my heart be blameless regarding your statutes so that I will not be put to shame. I long for your salvation. I put my hope In your word. Now in my own life. Trust me when I tell you that I've tried everything known to man. To try to alleviate my guilt and my shame. For the things that I failed to do. And many of the things that I. Despicable things that I have done. All without success. Nothing that I can do in and of my own self. Will help. My guilt. And my shame. When I've tried to explain my guiltiness away, the haunting voice of truth shouts at me. When I've tried to diminish its effect on my life, it drains me of my strength. Shame has in the past and it still will paralyze us, incapacitate us, and drain us of life. Trust me, I've tried it all and none of it has worked. So I'm through trusting in me. Why? Because I no longer want to wallow in shame. I want to walk with Jesus. He takes my shame and my guilt away. I want to trust in His power to take me out of this grave that I'm in and lift me up to newness of life everlasting. So today, my declaration to you is this. The old Terry Engler is dead. Jesus' power is what I need because I myself am powerless. My strength is impotent. My wisdom is foolishness. But his name, his name is written upon My heart and my name is written in his book of life. His, My faith is in my Savior. My life will now live forever. My shame is taken away by the one who bore that shame on his cross. And that is why Today, I will be taping into the fly leaf of my Bible a new declaration of the fellowship of the unashamed, because I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast, the decision has been made, and I've stepped over the line. I will no longer look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with lone living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame vision, mundane talk, cheap giving and dwarfed goals I no longer desire to have preeminence or prosperity or position or power or promotion or plaudits or popularity repeat that for me please I don't have to be right I don't have to be first I don't have to be tops. I don't have to be recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded because I now live by faith, lean on his presence, love with patience, live by prayer, and labor by his power. My pace is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought. I cannot be compromised. I cannot be detoured. I cannot be lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of my enemies or ponder at the pool of popularity. I won't even meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up. I won't shut up. I won't let up. I won't slow up. Until I have stayed up and stored up and prayed up and paid up and spoken up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. And I must go until he comes, give till I drop, preach till everyone knows, and worked until he stops me. Because when Jesus comes for his own, he's not going to have any problem whatsoever recognizing me. My banner is clear. I am a part of, of the fellowship of the unashamed, and I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm not ashamed of it. Stand to your feet with me. Musicians, would you come, please? I told you it was going to be different. You may be here this morning, saved or unsaved, either one. But you are still wallowing in shame of things that God has either forgiven you for or desires to forgive you for today. You see, when God gives guilt, he does it with the idea that we see ourselves and how far short we fall of his glory. And he desires for his guilt to be the the driving force behind coming to him and asking him to forgive us and to become saved And once we become saved, if you're still feeling guilt for things that Jesus has already forgiven you for, I can tell you that that guilt is not coming from God. It's coming from the one who accuses you that what you have given your life to is insignificant. He wants to make you believe that this is all just a bunch of of hooey, as my grandma used to call it. He wants you to believe that this thing called forgiveness and relationship with the creator of the universe is not possible. Therefore, your emotional uh, decision to have Jesus forgive you of your sin, it's just emotion, and it really doesn't mean anything. That you still need to be guilt, feel guilty. That you still need to be ashamed of everything that you've ever done. I'm here to tell you this morning that the gospel of Jesus Christ says that you don't have to carry that guilt any longer. You don't have to carry that shame any longer. Jesus has taken that shame and he has nailed it to his cross. He has taken your sin, your guiltiness, and taken it upon himself. And you know what he gave you in exchange for your sin and mine? His righteousness. And I don't care how you look at it. That, my friends, is a good trade. So there's no longer any reason for you to carry it. He wants it to be gone. Never to be remembered against you again. Cast into the sea of forgetfulness. And by an act of His will choosing to never, never ever remind you of it again. Because He's taken it and He's erased it. It's gone. Now, how many of you would like that this morning? Come on, just raise them up. We're all there together. He can do that this morning because he's good. Jacob, lead us in the song. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. are good, good, oh, oh, oh. let her good, good, oh, oh, you are good, good, oh, verse 2. Let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves. Oh, he is my song. Listen to this. Let the king of my heart be. Be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days. Oh, he is my song, for you are good, good, oh. Let me explain something to you. When we say you are the echo of my days, we all have a past here this morning, right? In Jesus' eyes, your past is hidden in Him. The only thing about your past that He wants you to hear this morning is that it's gone. It's gone. It will never be brought up to you again. He's already borne it. He's already triumphed over it. And he has set you free to walk in victory. No longer walking in guilt. No longer walking in shame. Because the king of your heart has taken it upon himself. Let's sing it again. You are good. Tell him. You are good, good. Oh, oh, you are good, good. Father, send your Holy Spirit to speak to every heart in this room this morning. And Lord, I'm asking you on the authority of your word to have your Spirit tell every person in this room this morning that there is no longer any reason for them to walk in guilt or shame because of things that they've done, because of things that have been said about them, things that they've been accused of that they didn't even have a role in. There's no longer any need to carry those things and to wallow in that shame. Holy Spirit, convince them that on today, March the 31st, 2019 they can become a part of the fellowship of the unashamed and God I pray that when they walk out of this room this morning that they will find on that desk out there in the foyer a copy of this Fellowship of the Unashamed that I would encourage them to tape inside their Bibles. And whenever the accuser of the brethren comes along and tries to remind them of their past that has been forgiven, the things that they have done for which they ought to be ashamed, that they will open up that fly leaf of their Bible and tell them that he is a defeated foe, that he no longer has power or dominion over them, that they are set free and that the king of their life is the creator of the universe Jesus Christ who loved them and who gave himself for them. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. How many of you feel better now? Come on now. This is good news. I'm not ashamed of the good news. I'm not ashamed. May God bless you.